Hello, everyone. Welcome. Texans All Access on the air here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio at NRG Stadium, where the team is in session as far as off-season conditioning and OTAs. About to get rolling with the full uniform on and offense against defense, but not yet. Not yet. Still doing the exercises, if you will, out of the fields of the Houston Methodist Training Center. Mark Vandermeer with you tonight, joined by the General John McClain. It's Thursday. We haven't talked for a couple of weeks, actually, John. Last week we had our draft show. You were on with DP. We had the entire draft. Here we are. We haven't talked for two weeks. So the draft is done. Let's talk about how this team shapes up following the eight selections and undrafted free agents, which have not been announced yet, but information does get out. First of all, how are you doing, John? I'm doing great. We had all those undrafted guys plus the tryout guys on our website mm-hmm. or in the Chronicle both. But I don't know if, if I don't know enough about them yet to see a Dylan Cole or an Arian Foster sure. or A.J. Boyer or Brian Brayman or Steven Anderson. But you know or Mike Brizel. somebody will make that team, maybe more than one, who will come from that list, although there's a lot of competition now because of what Brian Gaines done in free agency and then with the eight draft choices. Usually the Texans will sign 20-something undrafted free agents this year. I believe it was 12. Well, they just didn't have the room. Or you did have the room if you would start cutting a lot of guys. But I think they want to have a look at a lot of the guys they have already. And they, and they did cut a few guys, too. Mm-hmm. and um, Tight ends. Which is to be expected. But um, I, I remember it was Mike Mayock or Todd McShay. And both of everybody that I saw that I trust their opinion. And this is what summed it up. One of them, McShay or Mayock, said, the Texans did more with less than any team in the league. In other words, didn't have a number one or number two pick, but still had a good draft, especially wow. filling needs. And we talked about this before, and I've written it, tweeted it. I thought it was very refreshing for Brian Gain to admit. I've never heard a general manager admit this. He was going to take the best athlete in combination with need. Yep. They act like before the draft that uh, need is a four-letter word. Right. They won't admit to it. It's, mm-hmm. oh, no, we only take the best athlete, and then they take the best athlete based on need. And Brian said it and admitted afterward. And so the biggest need was offensive tackle. But nobody expected Justin Reed to be there. Right. The guy, I had seen him going in the second round. A few people thought he would go at the bottom of the first. So he's there. They had to take him. Yep. And then Martinez Rankin was right behind that first group, and it was not a good group of tackles for the first round. But as we talked about the last time we were together, starting about midway through the second round through the fourth round, there were a lot of prospects for value, and Rankin will come in and compete with Chantrell Henderson at right tackle. And the good thing is, say next year when you got a one and two twos, say you drafted a tackle then, Rankin's always – Martinez Rankin has what it takes to play guard as well. Or yep. You don't need a center. you got plenty of centers. But the fact is uh, they liked him, and they got a really good pick for value there. Well, we could talk more about all of this stuff, but since we're on the subject of offensive line, I want to start there because at left tackle, Julian Davenport, you get the feeling they like Julian Davenport. They do like him. But the thing is they're very thin there. They're incredibly thin. They're thin at tackle, period. Yeah, they look pretty thick at guard right now. They have a lot of options. 
and center, so they have a lot of different combinations they can play with the interior three. On the outside, it's a little iffy. Now, maybe you can move somebody out from the interior. You mentioned it. Rankin does have the ability to play guard. That's nice. I want to see more guards with the ability to play tackle, maybe, because they might need some of those options. They are one Davenport injury away from, uh uh-oh, what's plan B? Now, I'm sure they have plan B, but they don't go around publicizing these things. I'm just curious to know where they're headed here as far as the depth department goes. There is one guard on the roster who played tackle. Yep, that would be Jeff Allen. Uh, I think I told you people can't see told me they thought right tackle was his best position. And uh, Well, Jeff, we look pretty good at right tackle then. And <laughs> Jeff, uh, in it right now, I, I don't know. Julian is under a lot of pressure to stay healthy and produce. Yep. Things that everybody talks about for an offensive tackle going into the draft, especially the left tackle, they want to know size, uh, athleticism, feet, wingspan, mm-hmm. arm length. His wingspan was 87 and a half, and I don't know many have ever been longer. He's 6'7", 320, played basketball. If he hadn't gone to Bucknell, he, people would think more highly of him. But at the end of the year when he started those two games at left tackle, all of a sudden, he looked good enough for them to say, all right, he's the left tackle now. Right. It, you know, another thing, Mark, and you know this, you see it every year. The 53-man roster that goes into the New England game, there will be a lot of changes from what it is right now. Yeah. They, they'll probably – there's a lot of free agents out there that haven't signed. Right. That you could sign a couple of them. You can, when they start making the big cut from, what is it, Oh, is it one cut now? One cut after the fourth preseason game. One cut. That's a lot of players Mm -hmm. to look at. The Texans are one of the worst teams in the league, so they'll get a high claim. Right. So I wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, one of the backup tackles is not with another team right now. It's a possibility. I mean, you need some depth over there, and we'll see what they add to that position as we move on. But in your mind, Fulton, Nick Martin – Senio Calamete, that they're looks the, like the interior they're three. They're the starters. Mance is the backup center. Some people in Kansas City think Fulton's a better center than guard. Hmm. Could always move Nick Martin. Nick played guard in Notre Dame as well as center, but I, they don't want to. But maybe Martin's a better center than guard also. Bill Bill broached the subject at the Breck Coach's Breakfast. You were there mm-hmm. in Orlando. He just kind of casually threw out about Martin the possibility, but I know they want him to play center. And uh, the key inside is, and they got a lot of options. you still got Jeff Allen, Jeff's starter the last two years, Kyle Fuller, they're very high on him. Manson, right. very solid center who has started before. So that's not an issue. But depth, you got Kendall Lamb and you got Martinez Rankin. And Rankin as a two-year starter in 2016, his first year after he came to Mississippi State from junior college, he had a really good game against Miles Garrett. Right. And all of a sudden, people started talking about it. We asked him about it. He said that was the first time he really thought of himself as, wow, I might be able to play this game on a big-time level. And he said, that's where my career took off, and I started getting some notoriety. And uh, the Texans followed him, worked him out, liked him a lot. He's versatile. Mm-hmm. You know, Gain and O'Brien are always talking about versatility. and uh, But when Rankins comes in, they don't want Rankin to play more than one position right away. Put him somewhere, right tackle, and show us what you can do. And then if you got that locked down, then 
Maybe then we'll see what you can do. But the Texans have to, they have, somebody asked me, what has to happen for this draft to be considered successful? I said the biggest need was offensive tackle. Martinez Rankin has to start at some point. At some point, yeah. I don't mean next year. Now, if Chantrell Henderson, who's on a one-year prove-it contract, if he plays well, you Mm -hmm. know, his future's on the line, then that would be great. Yeah. If he can hold off Rankin, that would be tremendous. But at some point, Rankin's going to have to start, start for multiple years and be a good player. Well, if he's your backup right tackle, that means he's your backup left tackle maybe. Or Henderson becomes your backup left tackle. He's just going to have to move over and Rankin stays there right. We'll see how they handle it. And I know this, no matter what they do in OTAs, it's probably going to be different or it's going to evolve in training camp because that's when they can put the pads on and that's when they'll get a clear look at the offensive line. In OTAs, they're going to get a look at, oh, you know where to line up. You know when to go left and right and whatever we tell you to do. But the physical part of it, you just can't get a look at yet. And really and truthfully, when you get to camp until another team comes yeah. in, like till the 49ers right. come here before the game and you're hitting somebody else, yeah. you don't really know. I like the way they do it in OTAs. It's about mental. Mm-hmm. And then the coaches love to watch tape of seeing guys explode in and out of their cuts backpedal, uh, way they use their hands and things. But when you don't have the pad zone, it's it's basically mental for the players and the coaches seeing what they can do. And a lot of teaching goes into that. I know that Bill O'Brien always says it would be great to have more time with the players, but what coach is not going to say that? And they have a nine-week program going on right now. Yeah, they can't do anything with the ball. They can't go offense against defense right now. But they can do a lot of the lining up and what's your assignment and you go here, I go there. So you get nine weeks of that, that's a pretty decent education, especially for the guys who have been through the system at least a year leading into this. The rookies aren't even here yet. Then you go to training camp for six weeks. That's a lot of work as well. Should get you ready for the season, but I get it. Coaches are always going to want more time with the players, and they always hear the stories from the older coaches. Back in the day, we had six weeks of training camp. We went away. It was terrific. We learned a lot. Put on the pads anytime. Mm-hmm. I do think for offensive linemen and quarterbacks because and the receivers, because of the way the college game is played today and how different it is, unless they come from a pro-style system, but it's so different. They would like to have the time. And it's not just the mental. You know, you'd love to be able to see guys hitting but how much can you see if it's just one-on-one? Right. They want to teach those players earlier. They'd like to see have them in earlier. Like, if the system goes ever, if the schedule ever goes to 18 games, then every coach is going to want more time with them in the offseason. Mm-hmm. They're going to want more mini camps. They're going to want more uh, mandatory mini camps. And uh, maybe in the next CBA, remember – the owners, we say the owners got the money and the players got the time off, but players are making more money today than they've ever they made. They make 55% of the gross revenue. Their gross. benefits are better than they've ever been, but the fact is the money that was saved on the draft was supposed to go to veterans, and the fact is a lot of veterans are down working on minimum contracts mm-hmm. or, or get cut, but maybe the coaches now, the owners, don't really listen to the coaches, but maybe the next time they can give them a little more money and get say, okay, you give us give us those four OTAs back. It used to be fourteen, now it's ten. Well, we solved that eighteen game thing. You could have eighteen weeks and just go double buys, like we said, which That's, is the way it should be. Yeah, two buys. I think everybody could live through that. Your team having two buys a season, 
And you have 18 weeks of professional football on television, which is what the network's for. Thursday night game, you're off before and after. Go mm-hmm. to London, you're off before and after. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, the international game factors into the equation. Uh, while we're on the subject, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the Hang other on, position man. groups. Yeah. Nobody, it's not like baseball when you say, oh, my God, you're going to put the World Series deeper into November when it's right. colder. Who would care if the Super Bowl was February 12th instead of February Fifth, uh, well, nobody. The way it's played, it's got to be played indoors. I know they did the New York Super Bowl, but come on, you cannot do that, especially when the next day you had a catastrophic style snowstorm that could have turned that Super Bowl into a disaster. I don't think they'll ever try that again. Well, I shouldn't say never, but it's a likelihood that they play indoors always. They just played the thing in Minnesota. You're right. There's no difference between February fifth and February twelfth. In Minnesota. Nobody would complain, but it would certainly, there couldn't be any complaining about Thursday night or the travel in Europe. Right. How about the draft ratings, John? Pretty high. Well, they should have been higher, Mark, for several reasons. Mm -hmm. Number one, Fox broadcast. That's that's not a cable outlet. Number two, you had the quarterbacks, but you also had the largest market, the Jets and the Giants for New York, New Jersey, both picked second and third, and they both needed quarterbacks, even though... Giants took Saquon Barkley. There was still, you you know, quarterback's the sexiest position in right. sports. There was uncertainty going into that night, a and lot it, of it. And it was a lot of uh, hype about the quarterbacks. And then when your largest market, both teams are in it, I'm not surprised at all the ratings weren't great. Yeah, they were fantastic. The NBA that night, slightly over 2 million viewers. The NFL that night, over 11 million viewers. So that Shocking. was phenomenal stuff. What was it Daryl Morey said about the NFL and the NBA during the season? It wasn't good. No, he was like, I can't remember what Daryl said, but it was like echoing Mark Cuban. Yeah. All these people that are naysayers when the ratings are down, mm-hmm. yet when Fox wants to pony up another $100 million, when Amazon wants a two-year contract to stream, and then you see the ratings for the draft, the NFL's not in trouble. They're, uh, they're in trouble from a public relations standpoint, but from a popularity standpoint. You can be mad at them and still watch them. You can be... <laughs> <laughs> infuriated by stuff, but we still watch the NFL. Yeah. It's still by far the most popular sport. And remember the ratings for the Pro Bowl. Yeah, the Pro Bowl still rates pretty high, considering it's and the it's Pro the Bowl. worst event on TV in sports. And there are a lot of bad events, and mm-hmm. the ratings still outdraw the other sports. All right, John McClain sticks around. Let's talk tight ends next. What about the defensive backs as Justin Reed is now a Texan third-round draft choice? How does the secondary shape up? I wrote about it. I'm sure the general did, too. And we'll talk about it. Names you know could be on the bench. That is just wild stuff. It's Texans Radio. Having fun on a Thursday evening with the general John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on Texans Radio in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio at NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer with you, and let's talk more NFL draft stuff with the general. John, Justin Reed, third-round draft choice. I don't think anybody would have been shocked if a team in need of a safety took him late first round, early second round, but there he was in the third. The Texans grabbed him with the fourth pick in the third round, and he reshapes that secondary even more. You know, you look at what they have back there, John. When they're in nickel... I said this before, even before Reed got here. A lot of people think Reed might start for this football team. I don't know how you feel about that. But now, if I'm in nickel, I've got two big names on the bench, and I don't know who they are. Is it Kareem? Is it J. Joe? Is it Kevin Johnson? Is it Justin Reed? Is it Andre Hal? Two big names are going to be on the bench when you're in nickel defense. And a couple of them may have 
trouble making a team, too. Well, I it's looked not at guarantee. those. It's not guaranteed, but I looked at those numbers and I thought, man, I mean, if you're keeping 10 defensive backs, I easily have six corners and everybody makes it comfortably right now the way it looks. And then you look at safety, and you tweeted something about safety earlier in the day today. But you look at safety, and you have the Honey Badger, you have Justin Reed, you have Andre Howe, Corey Moore still on this football team. Curtis Drummond. Curtis Drummond. You have options on this football team at that spot. First of all, universally, everybody loved the, the Reed pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, that wasn't your biggest need. Offensive line was your biggest need. But I'll guarantee you, you guys had him rated as a second-round pick. And when he was there in the third, fourth pick in the third round, you had to take him. Everybody that I have seen, talked to, or read thinks that was a really good pick. He's 6'1", he's 2'10", he's really smart. He can play up, he can play back, he can cover tight ends, he can cover a slot receiver. Now, he's not the play, the play. He's not quite the talent that his brother Eric was coming out of LSU uh, when he was a first-round pick of the 49ers, but he's close. And I don't think he'll be playing around the line of scrimmage because you got the honey badger to do that. I think he'll be more – he'll be playing deeper, and, and Andre Howell will have to worry about his job. Teams play a lot of three safeties now. Romeo's back out there as a coordinator, and uh, he will find a way to take advantage of Justin Reed. He can cover tight ends. You know, really, since A.J. Boyer left last year, didn't really have anybody do as good a job on tight ends as he did but the Reed pick was tremendous. Well, you and mentioned, he'll be dynamite on special teams. I mean, if you look at three safeties, okay, and Dime, that's good. And Dime, by the way, six defensive backs, nickel, five defensive backs, just for those who don't know. You look at the corners here, you think Aaron Colvin plays inside or outside on this team? I think a healthy Jonathan Joseph's going to play, and he's going to play outside, obviously. The reason that Colvin came here was he's not going to play outside in Jacksonville because of Ramsey and Boyer, but he may have been the best slot corner in the league last year. Pro Football Focus says he's never given up a touchdown. He Pro Football Focus says, I wrote him at the time, I can't remember him now, all these things where he ranked among the top corners in the league and the top slot corners. So maybe he can start outside right away. I think Jay Joe and Kevin Johnson would, and he would be the slot corner. But he came here to compete outside, so maybe he wins a starting job, and then he moves inside and when the third receiver comes in. They like versatility. They like options. They've got him. Tristan Deku has moved to safety. Uh, you know, he looks like we said last year, he looks like a safety. Six we always thought this might happen. And over 200. He's smart. He works hard. Uh, he's got to contribute on special teams. So that gives them even more uh, options at safety to go with all those corners we've talked about. And I think it's good because they need them. And last year when the – didn't have a pass rush from any player other than Clowney. Those guys, their lack of speed, they couldn't cover as long as they needed to. And uh, But with Matthew and Reed and Colvin, this secondary should be so much better. And the re-signing of J. Joe, I think, when you factor all that stuff in, this is the most stacked position unit on the team, maybe. The secondary, and I know it was not a great year for them. Injuries obviously contributed to that, and also lack of a pass rush because two of your three top guys were out. I don't know. Is it front seven? And again, I no. We're talking about. I agree with you about the secondary. There's so many options. You know. Yeah. Jonathan Joseph, Kareem Jackson, Kevin Johnson. Those have been the big three, and then uh, now you add Aaron Colvin. Mm-hmm. That's four. 
And uh, the seventh-round pick. Um, Jermaine Kelly. Jermaine Kelly, I, I think, is a really good special teams player. It would be real hard for him to make the team, probably make the practice squad. But the fact is, and they get hurt. Yeah. You know, Kareem and Jonathan, they'll miss a game or two every year. So you got to have depth. And Colvin, other than he was suspended once, I don't know if he's missed any time at all for injuries at Jacksonville. But set people ought to be fired up because, number one, secondary is more talented. Number two, the pass rush should be back with Watt and Merciless looking so good. Does Duke Edgefor show up as a rookie? Duke Edgefor was – to me and everybody I've talked to, the guy from Our Lads that runs the Our Lads service, he just went on and on on Twitter when the Texans got edged for. Let's be honest, if he hadn't suffered a torn labrum and had surgery and he couldn't work out, he would have gone probably in the third round, maybe slipped to the fourth. Texans get him in the sixth. He's almost 6'4", 265. Of course, he's from Aleph Taylor. He's gonna Romeo's gonna get him an outside linebacker, and he looks like one on the strong side. They'll see if he can rush the passer. They've they've put him through the ringer at the medical mm-hmm. center with all the doctors. And they think he'll be cleared, if not at the start of training camp, during training camp. Not gonna rush him. He's got all the time in the world. But what a great addition Duke Edgefor could be when he's healthy. And um, he's he was a four three end. But you see, they take those ends and make them into linebackers all the time. Him and a guy from Stanford. Cal- Peter, Peter Cal- Calumbay. Calumbay. How do you pronounce it? Cal- Calumbay. Calumbay. Peter Calumbay. He's more like a weak side, outside guy. But edgefor has got talent, and he was there only because of the injury. Mm. Well, the kid from Stanford could be interesting. You had two players from Stanford here. And, you know, John Harris was saying he does a lot of things well. You know, he might not be, you know, first-round talent, second-round talent, but the guy can contribute, it looks like, and on paper in the NFL anyway. That's all we have right now is on paper. I asked him about this in our interview. He was a captain the last two years at Stanford, and those are voted on by the teammates. Bill O'Brien's always talking about good teammate, good teammate, good teammate. And so he, even though he was drafted low, He's the kind of guy, a leader type. He's another smart guy. Getting those two Stanford guys, they're smarter. The only way they could have been even smarter is if they drafted the Baylor people, but they didn't. And <laughs> uh, so I, I like that. I like competition. You know, you always need linebackers in the 3-4. They're set with their first three inside, barring injury. And there's going to be competition outside. The key is, does Romeo Cornell put Clowney back at end? Mm-hmm. Sometimes. But Vrabel liked him at linebacker. He dropped down in passing situations. But will we list him as an end or an outside linebacker? And what would that open up for another player? Last year, Mike Vrabel told me, and maybe O'Brien, Brandon Dunn, Mm -hmm. as as the season went on, Mm -hmm. played better than any time he's ever played here. It was about opportunity to nose tackle. Remember, they moved Reader to end because Dunn was playing so well at nose tackle. So you'd think with Watt and Covington and Reader back off IR and Brandon Dunn playing well should pick up where he left off. And Carlos Watkins got a lot of playing time because of the injuries. That gives you some depth up front. This defense, and you know this, it's going to be good. It was good two years ago. The only reason it gave up the most points in the league was because of injuries. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have all those guys hurt. We all know this. So – 
it looks like they can bounce right back, but that's a lot to ask because you're going to have to make sure everybody is fully healthy when the season begins. All right, let's flip it back to offense here. You've got the tight ends. You've got Jordan Atkins, and you have Jordan Thomas. Atkins was the biggest surprise of the draft. You know, he's 26 years old. If you're going to play center fielder, he was a third-round pick in both sports. If you're going to play center fielder for four years in the Rangers system, that's covering a lot of ground. You know, he's 6'3 and 250, and he moves really well. And uh, he's a good receiver. He averaged 15-1 and 15-3 per catch the last two years at Central Florida. He also has the attitude. Brian Gain told me we were in Orlando. He said, he was talking about tight ends in college football. He Mm -hmm. said, sometimes, you know, you'd like to have a guy who's a really good blocker. Maybe he didn't have to catch because he wasn't asked to. But if he has the characteristics and the capacity to become a good receiver, we'll like him. If he's a good receiver... And he wasn't asked to block, but we think he has the characteristics to become a blocker. Yeah. We'll do that, and we might end up having to take two. So uh, I really – Jordan Aikens, there's a good chance Steven Anderson's job – his job's in jeopardy because he's the tight end who does the same thing Anderson does, and he's bigger, and he's probably – a better blocker, and then Jordan Thomas, who said he played at 280, weighs 270 now. Y'all list him at 265, which is what they want him. He played outside because of injuries. Well, he's strong. They got really powerful hands. The reason he wasn't playing in and blocking is out of necessity. So they think here he can move inside and be that tight end who who provides the blocking that's missing. Well, maybe Anderson gets the Bryce McCain factor applied to him. You know what that is, right? I've said that many times. Leaves here show. and plays 10 years? No. <laughs> Bryce is that's still another, somewhere. I know. That's another factor. But the factor was this, that in 2010, McCain, who was a draft choice of this team, sixth rounder, uh, eventually deactivated toward the end of that 2010 season. And then they get all the corners. They get J. Joe and free agency. They draft Brandon Harris. They draft Brock Carmichael. But Bryce McCain sees that. And he ups his game, and he becomes the starting nickel corner on a really good defense. So I think that that could happen with some guys at various position groups that you address in the draft. All of a sudden, this alarm goes off. Maybe it was going to go off anyway. Anderson's not as big as Aikens even. No, But we'll not. see if uh, this does anything for him. And he's done some things already for this team, but you'd like to see a progression. Steven's a big receiver is what he is. Yeah. He's an H-back. Mm-hmm. And um, Tim Kelly, tight end coach, is a really good coach. People are very – is 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 he coaching tight ends? Yeah, is he? Mm-hmm. Tim Kelly. Yeah, his he is, his star is on the rise, and um, and so I can't wait to see what he can do. Not just with Steven Anderson, but with two rookies. Right, Ryan Griffin. You know, Ryan's got one problem: he can't stay healthy. If Ryan could play sixteen games, I'll guarantee you he'd catch fifty passes. He'd catch five, six touchdowns. Oh, yeah. He could be a good player. Ryan's a big target. He's smart. He can play the middle of the field, but he just can't stay healthy. He's had more than 20 catches one time. And so you're looking at four to make three. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like I, – I didn't know Aikens, and I thought 26 years old. I had to grade each player. I gave him a D-plus on him, I think. That was too tough, General. And uh, D-plus. D-plus. I think Jordan Thomas, I may have given him a D because of him. On him, wow. too. But um, um, 
I think now, knowing how they want to throw the ball to the tight ends and take the pressure off of the mm-hmm. wideouts, I think that he can be the surprise. Ejiofor would be the steal. He would be the surprise. All right. Some people think Reed is a steal in the third round, but I don't care. He is, but I don't count a guy yeah. going in the third round who's highly thought of. But Ejiofor going in the sixth when at the lowest he would have been a four and maybe a three. That's the guy that could be the steal. All right, my favorite pick might be Kiki QT, the wide receiver from Texas Tech. Because he can help you in two different ways. Yeah, special teams, return guy. Really good kickoff returner. Um, Are there going to be kickoffs? Yeah, well, that's a good point. (laughs) Then maybe they'll move him to punt returner. Mm -hmm. Will Fuller's too good as a punt returner, but you don't want to expose a guy that gets hurt a lot. There you go. Hits. But, you know, he won a game last year. He averaged 15 yards per return. They'd love to have somebody else pop up. You know, Tyler Irvin's returning from the patella tendon surgery. So and he's going to be needed. They really didn't do much at running back, At some obviously. point, he could be back. You know, I was wondering, why didn't they take him back? Now we know they brought back Alfred Blue, and Irvin will be coming off that surgery at some point. He'll be back at some point. But Cutie, playing inside, he's really fast, and he's really quick. And Bruce Ellington's been hurt each year. He's he. I thought Ellington was a great pickup, but he got hurt. So you need some inside depth, and uh, he's he's uh, Wes Welker is very high on Kiki Cutie, and maybe it's because he went to Tech, but mm-hmm. uh, the people f- that watched him think he was a really good pick because of his speed, his quickness. He'll have a lot to learn coming from the offense sure. at Tech, but but he did run some of that end around stuff. I know it's different here, of course. He's very he g- gives them some big play capability inside. All over the field. All right, John McClain sticks around. More on the Texans draft. What about the rest of the AFC South? How does it reshape the division this past weekend's draft? And other news from around the league, including a great receiver, really not a receiver, but a guy who catches a lot of passes, retiring. It's Texans All Access. Our program continues with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, our final segment here. Let's talk more NFL draft Texans. We've giving you our rundown of their picks and what we think is going to happen with some of them this year. But, John, what about the rest of the AFC South? Now, who stood out to you? What team stood out to you the most in this past weekend's draft? I gave um, Houston, Tennessee, and Indianapolis B-minuses, and I gave Jacksonville a B. The Jaguars, as teams picking at the bottom of the first round with, now we might say they need a quarterback, but they don't think they did. They stayed, stood pat. Mm-hmm. They let the draft come to them, and like Taven Bryan from Florida, uh, they don't need him now, but Malik Jackson will probably be gone after this season. But as it is, he can slide into their defensive line and contribute, make that defense even better. Yep. And then Ronnie Harrison, the safety from uh, Alabama, yep. he's a strong safety. They don't need a safety right now because of Tayshawn Gibson and Barry Church. But he, he could play. He can help special teams. I thought he was a really good pick. And then getting D.J. Chark, the best combination of speed uh, and size. That's a rough one for and us. And big play capability to come in to replace Allen Robinson. It may take him a year like most receivers it does. But I thought those three picks were really good for where they were picking. And they did take a quarterback, but later in round six, Tanner Lee from Nebraska. All right, so the Colts, Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame, everybody thinks he's going to be all-world for a decade. He's yeah. one of those all-world-for-a-decade guys. Braden Smith was a good pick. You know, they 
As Quentin Nelson told us when we were at the Combine, he said, I don't understand why teams don't put more emphasis on the inside lineman because it's the shortest path to the quarterback. Yep. Had a good point. So Chris Ballard, general manager, takes him. He was the second highest rated prospect to Saquon Barkley. Texans will see both up. Texans play the first seven picks in the draft. I thought that was great. And um, and and then uh, Braden Smith is good. Then they drafted the linebacker. I am not very high on him going that high. But then they go for two pass rushing defensive ends. So yep. they're four of their first five picks were in the trenches. Ultimately, that's probably smart. But they got a lot of weaknesses. If they don't have Andrew Luck, and they say they are, they drafted as if they're going to have Andrew back, and that would be tremendous for the league and the division if he is. Um, I thought uh, Nelson's by far their best pick, but the first two were good and questionable after that. How do the people in Nashville feel about the Titans draft? They go defense, defense, defense to start it out. Well, in the, my 10 mock drafts, Aaron Wilson and I did 10, and in my 10 I had them taking linebackers in eight, and I had them taking um, Rashawn Evans and Harold Landry mm-hmm. in seven of those eight. Because I knew Evans was a good value, picking low. He can play inside. He can rush from the outside. And they need an inside linebacker to replace uh, Witherspoon, who left in free agency. Then both of their outside linebackers, uh, Morgan and Arakpo, I think, are in the last year of their contracts. Plus, they're getting up in age. So, Harold Landry from Boston College, where Mike Vrabel's son is going to go to college, uh, he is your guy you move from defensive end to outside linebacker. They had a league low four picks after they traded up in both rounds to get those guys. But uh, for for those two, they drafted a safety. I can't pronounce his name. But uh, I thought both those linebackers are good prospects. Krolchank from Arizona. Well, close enough right now. I'll learn it before I have to go on the air doing a Tennessee Titans game in week two of this upcoming season. You may not have to learn it. I'm <laughs> I might not have to. He's a you will have to learn choice. Evans and Landry. Yeah, they're going to be heard from. All right, uh, other NFL stuff from around the draft. What do you think of Cleveland taking Baker Bakefield? I never considered it, never had him taking him in my 10 mock drafts. I had him going to the Jets at three. And um, when it came out, Adam Schefter had it the day before the draft that he was in the picture, still in the running. I didn't believe it. And then when they took him and then it came out, they had their – Sights set on him all the way back to the combine. I thought, great. You know, he was the best quarterback last season. Uh, he's certainly going to get a lot of attention. He should hand, be able to handle the pressure. And why not? Who who can say one of those other guys is going to be better than Baker Mayfield? Uh, you just don't know right now. Darnold looked like the safer pick, but maybe Mayfield lights a fire for the Cleveland Browns, who will be here at NRG Stadium on that short Monday night week after Tennessee comes calling on a Monday night. He'll and be then starting by then, as Sunday. will Sam Darnold. Yeah. And the key is, will Josh Allen be starting by when Buffalo comes first week of October? I'm thinking probably. Oh, rookie quarterback Palooza. Let's go. So the Texans are going to play the top seven picks. Mm-hmm. And three of them are quarterbacks. In those three. And then uh, I thought Cle- Cleveland did well. Okay. All right. Overall, what about Lamar Jackson going to Baltimore? And Joe Flacco is apparently not uh, thrilled with it. But you have RG three in Baltimore. You have Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, and you have Joe Flacco. They're all so similar in style. Not really. RG three will help Jackson. 
He's that kind of yeah. guy. He he just he will. I'm not sure about Joe Flacco, but everybody says it's going to be his last year there. But Ozzie Newsom's last draft, Ozzie will retire after the season. I, I gave him a B plus. I got two tight ends. I thought maybe he took Seguin, Mark Sanders, who's like a big receiver from Oklahoma. Yep. He's one of Baker Mayfield's favorite targets. And I thought they had a really good draft. I'm so glad Lamar Jackson went in the first round so we didn't have to see all these media people whining about the injustice of it all. And uh, I had him going in the first round in every mock draft, and I didn't never thought he would last that long. But, boy, he's going to be a change of pace from Flacco when he plays. John, Let's go around the NFL here for a moment. Jason Witten is retiring to join the Monday Night Football booth. I have no idea how he's going to do in the Monday Night Football booth, and good for him for getting that If he that had gig. played for New Orleans, would he be having this opportunity? No, and if Romo hadn't been so good on CBS, would he be having this opportunity? No. Because for me as a broadcaster, to get that job, I really feel like you should probably have some experience, but well, you never that's know. That's what we thought about out. Romo. Saw yeah. the same thing, but... Cowboys have four now, and there are people overlooking Moose Johnston, who's been an analyst longer than any of them, yeah. and is really good. He's polished. There's no doubt he's become a good broadcaster. Everybody loves Jason Witten up there, including all the media that covers him, and it's a great opportunity for him. Fourth Lim- all-time in, rece- in receptions, and, John, the interesting thing is that was the same draft in which the Texans took Benny Jopru higher. And Benny Jopru, another tight end from Michigan, Benny Jopru was an injury bust. I call him an injury bust more than a bust no, bust. No, you can't be a bust if you had injuries. You're an injury bust. Right. Different You're kind bust of bust. like Ryan Leaf and Tony Mandridge. Not not for Benny Jopru. Didn't he have two serious injuries? Yeah, he did. He did. Came Witten back for the one and then promptly got hurt again. 15 years, he's amazingly healthy. You know, we'll vote in Tony Gonzalez first whenever he comes up. Yep. I'm pretty sure Jason Witten will be a first ballot Hall of Famer mm-hmm. when the time comes. And everybody up there thinks he'll do a great job. Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, Dallas, to me, and, you know, far be it from me to talk. I can't talk trash considering the Texans haven't won a Super Bowl yet. But in the Texans' era – the Cowboys have not won a Super Bowl yet. They haven't even been to an NFC Championship game. And it's funny how you, they regard players like Romo and Witten. And Witten's a Hall of Fame tight end. Uh, fourth all-time in receptions. I think you have to give that to him, right, eventually? Yes, I get questions. I've had questions on radio shows, not just in Houston, but the other shows I do around the state, asking me if I think Tony Romo's a Hall of Fame. No. And I say, Texas Sports Hall of Fame? Yeah. <laughs> And they go, no, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I'm like, uh, no. Uh, I'm going to say something that's probably controversial for Dallas fans. Romo, and I like Romo as a guy. I like him as an announcer and everything. Romo, to me, is barely a Ring of Honor guy in Dallas. I, I think you have to because of the numbers. But in Dallas, this is Dallas. They've won Super Bowls. They go to Super Bowls, but they haven't done it for a long, long time. Yet these guys are so highly regarded around the league. And this team's done virtually nothing compared to their past. I'll put it that way. I guess I just talked trash about them. Far be it from me. I guess uh, I did it anyway. I'll tweet it and stir up a little grief. Yeah, please As do David it. Akers pointed out, mm-hmm. Cowboys haven't won a Super Last time Cowboys won a Super Bowl, <laughs> oh, gosh. none of these draft picks were born. Oh, my gosh. Well, you can't put it any better than that, and I, I suppose. And I think that Danny White was a more productive Cowboy quarterback than Romo has been. I know he was. 
Didn't he go to three consecutive NFC Championship games? Something like that. I mean, if Romo had done that, they would be shouting that he has to get He'd into Canton. He'd be a Canton. lock for the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. I want to say he went to three consecutive. Does, did Staubach play against uh, Vince Ferragamo and the Rams in that 1980 NFC Championship game? Because I, I know White so. played the next remember. two. White played against the 49ers in the catch game. And White played against the Redskins in the strike-shortened 82-9 game season NFC Championship game and lost to Washington. Oh, I think he got hurt and Gary Hogaboom came into the game. That was during Thanksgiving. How about that? The Mad Bomber. Gary Hogaboom? No, no. Clint Longley was the Mad oh, Bomber. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yes, Hogaboom did. He was take a Chippewa, John, Central yes. Michigan. Don't discount my Chippewas. General, what do you have going out of the Chronicle? Well, our news digital destination that you can get for twenty nine ninety five a year, TXSN for Texas Sports Nation. We have so many stories we write just for that that you can't get in the Chronicle or on Cron.com. We're writing stories every day on the Astros, Rockets, Columns, Texans, Colleges. Check it out, Texas Sports Nation. Thank you, Mark. I'll see you next week. John, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Edward, for producing. And Galan at Night is coming up next. Tomorrow night, John Harris has Texans All Access, and I'll be on as well. We'll have a good time heading into the weekend. You can listen to this program on TuneIn, on HoustonTexans.com, on iTunes, a whole lot of places. Have a great evening. Go Texans.